Second Timothy chapter 4. This is uh, part 2 of last Sunday's message. Second Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. Just read down a few verses. It says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also, also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark, bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word, and Lord, ask your blessing upon it this morning. Lord, help me to stay true to your word. Lord, I pray that it would truly strengthen us and draw us closer to you. Please, Lord, I pray it would not be in vain. Lord, may we see your word and and may your spirit have free course to work. I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, I pray for that conviction and that drawing that perhaps even this morning they repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Last week I began this message, only got just pretty much exactly halfway through it. And I started off talking about how it's, we have this saying that we've heard several times, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And we saw that actually yesterday in a very secular sense in an NFL football game. There was a team that was down 27 to nothing. Actually, they did something yesterday that has never, ever happened in NFL history. They were down 27 to nothing with five turnovers. No team has ever come back from that in the history of the NFL. Well, with three seconds left, the team that was down 27 to nothing kicked a winning field goal to win that game 31 to 30. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. We looked at that last week as we began to compare two men in this text with the backdrop of the third man being the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is, is the example uh, in the sense that he started well and he finished well. That's what you want. You want to start well and you want to finish well. But the reality is we all have a flesh. Many times we have things that come up in our life where we have genuine failure. It occurs. It happens. And there's so often that we allow that failure all of a sudden to define who we are. And you never recover from that. Well, we have an example in our text. I started off by comparing Demas and Mark. Mark was the one who had the failure early on. Mark, you can almost look at as a teenager in a youth group, if you will, if we look at his whole life. Who he was, where he was, who Sonny was. Again, we, the first time we see him in Scripture that we know clearly is in Acts chapter 12. There's, there's, other, there's other places prior to that where we think he was likely present. But nonetheless, the very first time we see him in Scripture is Acts chapter 12, when they were praying for Peter to be released from prison. He is a close relative of Barnabas. 
who was, of course, the encourager. He was the one that went and got Paul, the church at Antioch. As we're going through the book of Acts, we've looked at that man. He is a, just a tremendous man of God as Barnabas. So he had some amazing influences in his life, and he heads out with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas in the very first missionary journey. Well, it's not too long into that thing, and he quits. He goes back. At the start, which we're getting ready to do when, I, when we get back into the book of Acts when I return from Israel, we'll, we're, going to be, we're at the start of the second missionary journey. We're going to see that Barnabas wants to take Mark along. Paul does not. Paul, Paul does not, and there's a sharp division between Barnabas and Paul. And we'll get into that in a couple of weeks. So much so that we have actually two teams that, fo- that form. Barnabas actually takes John March and head off to Cyprus. And Paul gets Silas, and he continues. And what we're going to get into is the Macedonian call. He's going to head into Europe. Mark, though... As we see him, next time we see him in Scripture, is a reference by Paul. Two of the prison epistles where he mentions Mark, where Mark is with him. We see Mark has recovered. We see Mark mentioned in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, the last reference as far as the New Testament books in order go is in 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter refers to him as his son. He's, not, he's just talking about son and the faith in a close relationship with him. I mean, the guy finished so, so strong that he is the author of the Gospel of Mark. That is Peter's account of his life with Christ during that time frame. I mean, really is incredible. So he is basically like a youth in the church that comes through, has a bit of a bump in the road, but ends up becoming one of the great leaders. Last week... As we talked about Mark and Demas, I talked about the importance of being able to, how to persevere was the whole goal. How to finish strong. How to be able to say like Paul did, listen, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. But we all have things, we have our flesh that we have to deal with, we have the failures we have to deal with, and constantly battling those things of trying to get self out of the way. Listen, you are going to be in trouble every time when you, when, when, when you make life all about you. You will. It's going to be a miserable life. The whole purpose is getting, getting that, that, yourself in a position where you can see life is actually all about the Creator. It is. It's not that difficult to see. We were put here for a reason by the Creator. And so I talked about it. In order to be able to persevere, to finish strong, we talked about the importance of having purpose in your life. The illustration that I used for that, of course, was David, as compared to the army of Israel when he was a young man and he took on Goliath, where David saw the purpose. When he heard Goliath speak, he was like, man, who is this guy that defies the armies of the living God? I mean, he couldn't believe it. By the way, that, that's the key verse. It's, 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 not the, the, it's not the verse, is there not a cause? It's that. It's David proclaiming directly. We see it. Why the armies of Israel was too focused on, they were so focused on the size of Goliath that they forgot all about the God that they serve. You've got to have purpose in your life. Have that desire for God to use you and setting those goals in your life, spiritual goals. Because if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. I think it was 
Um, I think that's Brother Lee Robertson, the quote is attributed to him. But that's true. You have to set goals. You can have that desire, okay, I want to do right. Well, put something in place. Then lastly, we talked about last week. Boy, that's key. You've got to have purpose, but you have you've got to follow the principle that's given to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And that is to be able to set your eyes on the eternal, not on the temporal. Because as you're going through this life, you're going to have many setbacks, you're going to have many hardships, and many difficult circumstances to deal with. It's in those moments you've got to be able to focus on the eternal so you don't quit. The context of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is just that. Of Paul saying, even though all that I've went through, I didn't quit. And he gets to the secret of that, the truth of what kept him going in the last couple of verses. And he just says, you know what? I just stayed focused on the eternal, not the temporal. That's what I did. Is that not what David did when he saw Goliath? It is. Now, let's continue. That's where we left off. I certainly understand that in order to persevere, the third thing is you have to have strength. I know that. There's an importance of having a measure of power, a measure of strength about your life. We certainly, we're, I don't know if we're in a time or, or what it is right now with everything that's changing in this world, but there seems to be such an element of a spiritual weakness that is coming about. So you can have great determination to persevere, which is needed. We talked about that last week. But if you don't have the ability or the strength, you're going to run into a big problem. Determination and strength are both needed. When I was, uh, one of the verses that I memorized, the one verse that I memorized in the book of Judges was Judges chapter 16 and verse 20. That is in the middle of what's going on with the life of Samson. And the verse says, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And then this is why I memorized it, because of the last few words. It says this, And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. He lost his strength. The determination was there. I'm getting up. I'm going to do just like I did before. But he had no clue that God's power and strength was gone. We need strength. If you're going to be able to persevere in going through this world, we need a measure of strength. Now, the source of your strength is important. It's not so often that we fail to realize that we need strength. The error tends to come in as where we go for the source of our strength. What we draw strength from. You have to make sure you're plugged into the right power source. When, in, in, when we were in New Guinea, a, I had a couple of different generators. I had one small one. It was just a, a 2 kVA. I guess that's probably like a 1.8 watt, just a small generator. Then we had the bigger 17 kVA, like a 15 kilowatt, I think that equals out to. And there were times when, I, usually I just used the 2 kVA, it was sort of a mini backup, that if, 
something was wrong with the big generator, at least I could run a couple of lights and things like that and get that thing going. And, and, and we used it frequently. I, I went through probably, probably more than 15 of those in the years that we were there. But there were times that I accidentally put too big of a load on that thing and blew it up. Because all of a sudden you start throwing on everything else, not, not realizing it, and I, and I start flipping switches on, and just that little generator's there. Oh, you put way too big of a load on that thing, and it blows up. See, in our own life, we have to understand that our own strength is like that 2 kVA. It is. The Apostle Paul put it this way, Romans chapter 7, The good that I would, I do not, yet the evil that I would not, that I do. He realized the lack of strength that he had within himself. That at times the load seemed too great and he just couldn't do it. So the source of your strength is important. Where you're drawing strength from. The devil's very subtle. He is. I want you to follow me. He knows the importance of our... Look how this world is changing and the, and the, the, the pressure, the persecution that's coming on, the lack of confusion, what's right and what's wrong. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. And, and it's not a coincidence at all that at the exact same time the world is going through this, we are seeing great changes in churches. That's not a coincidence. Part of that what's taking place is the devil knowing the persecution that is coming and trying to get rid of a source of strength. A source of strength. Because the truth is, if we redesign our service just to entertain you and, and give you music that just makes you feel good, know what happens? The music ends. It ends. It's a wrong source of strength. One of the greatest verses in the Word of God is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41. If you want to turn there and look at it, mark it in your Bible. Imagine many here could quote this verse. Verse number 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. What a great verse. If you don't have that marked, mark it. If you haven't memorized it, memorize that verse. Isaiah 41.10. I mean, God is our strength. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. You know, there's times where this world is featured. I, I probably had four or five different set of news hit me this week. I'm just, hmm. And had to remember, wait, wait, wait. Be not dismayed. This is about God. That's what it's about. It's about Him. There's, there's times that He has to be the source of the strength. Or I'll tell you what, you'll quit. You'll just check out. 
People get hit with stuff. They just try to say, I'm checking out. And they, they might not leave church. Some do. But they just check out. The source of your strength, it needs to be about him. If the purpose isn't about God, you're not going to go to strength from God. It's the great illustration that R.A. Torrey gave. R.A. Torrey gave one of the best illustrations of spiritual strength that I've ever read in my life. I can't remember which book he put it in. But I read it years ago, back in my 20s, and it just stuck with I can't remember where it's at in the page in the book even. That's how much it stuck with me. He had said there's three types of Christians in the world when it comes to strength. He says there's rowboat, sailboat, and steamboat Christians. He said the rowboat Christians are the one that get in. They have all the desire, the determination, but they do it all in their own strength. And he says it's, it's just a matter of time before their strength runs out and they're dead in the water. They're done. He said next is a sailboat Christian. Now, R.A. Torrey, for the time of this, if you don't know who he is, we're going back well more than 100 years. All right. And so anyhow, uh, um, he said next is a sailboat Christian. And so many fall into this. Provided the winds of revival are blowing, they're going strong. But when those winds die down, they're dead in the water. There's nothing. And he said, thirdly, is the steamboat Christian. He said, that's the Christian that gets on the boat and lets the boat do the work. And then he got into the lesson. I think that was introducing that chapter. Then he got into it on the importance of a spirit-filled life. Of allowing God to be your strength. So it's easy to say that as a preacher. Use God's strength. But how do we do that? How do you actually, how do, you actually do that? I mean, physical strength, we get an idea of what we need to do, you know, to increase physical strength or whatever. But how do you get access to God's strength? Because make no mistake about it, God desires to give you the spiritual strength you need in life. So let me give you some things. Look over, if you're in Isaiah still, I'm still there. In Isaiah chapter 40, let me give you a few things here that the scriptures give us about how we access God's strength for our life. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 29. It says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. As I said, He desires, He wants to strengthen you. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Now here it is. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Again, one of the most popular verses in the word of God. It gives an important principle for God's strength. The first one. Waiting. Not getting ahead of God. Not trying to take it in. Not not jumping in the rowboat. Waiting for the steamboat to take off. Waiting upon the Lord. Determine, okay, I'm going to wait on, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to wait on God. Knowing he desires to give the strength. It's not like we have to wake God up. It's not like God doesn't understand what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your life better than you do. Do you understand how much... I mean, he knows the very hairs of our head. There's times that when you're being wicked, you don't even realize it. He knows it. 
And he's trying to put things in your life to say, hey, what are you doing? He genuinely cares and loves you. He desires to help. He desires to give the strength that's needed. But there's a waiting. There's a patience that comes with this. Too often when we get into situations that it seems we can't handle, instead of waiting on God, we remove ourselves from the will of God and take over. I mean, you can see that. There's different examples in Scripture I can give for, as parallels to it from the Battle of Jericho um, and getting on to Ai and all that, all that transpired there as they went into the wilderness. Let's go to the book of Mark. So we have to wait upon the Lord. It takes a measure of patience. Now look at Mark. This is found in a couple of the Gospels, what I'm going to give you right now. <clears throat> This is the second. We'll give four things we see in Scripture that helps us have access to the strength of God. One, we can't quit. We've got to be patient. You wait on the Lord. Don't take over. Number two. I'll just read one verse for time's sake because I still have uh, several things I want to get through here this morning. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now the context of this is this. After they got... They were, they were, Coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and during that time, a man brought a son to the disciples and asked if he was, he was demon-possessed, he was in a horrible state. And by this time, keep in mind, the disciples had been used of Christ, they had performed miracles of healing themselves, they'd seen that done. And so all of a sudden, here comes this boy that is severely vexed with this demon, and they could do nothing with him. They couldn't help him. And they were surprised they didn't understand. When Christ comes down, the, the father goes to Christ and says, your disciples could not help me. And Christ, boom, responds and, and, and heals the boy. So this is just a little bit later on. The disciples have asked him, why couldn't we? What happened? And he said, this kind come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. This kind, what is he talking about? The kind of strength they needed. Your prayer life is very important. When it comes to the strength that you need, your prayer life is so important. And there's things, there's, there's several simple things that you put in place in your prayer life to help you. One is the discipline just to have it. That's the first step. It's just a determination that I'm going to do this every day. That when I get up, in the, I will get up early in the morning. And don't believe the lie. Well, I get up so early now, I just don't think I can do that. You can. Just switch that mindset around and say, no, I can do this. Do you think if you did that, that the creator can maybe just give you a tad bit of extra strength for that day? I think he can. Trust him. So the first step is the discipline to put it in place. To say, I'm going to do this every day. Listen, you're not going to have God's strength without it. And then, I'll just give one other. Make it genuine. Make it genuine. 
make it simply between you and God. There's a lot of reasons why you could want the strength of God in your life. Make sure it's genuine. Make sure it's not a, some false motive where you're using God for your own glory, number one. Number two, make sure it's just not about checking your box. Okay, I've got to pray every day. Let me just get this over with. You, you too are missing it just as much as the other category. No difference. It's not genuine. Make it real. Do you understand right before you get down there? Is you're talking to the Creator. Him. Make it just about you and Him. Not about others. Not about, not about who hears you or who doesn't hear you. I strongly recommend, by the way, that not for others to hear at all, but I str- this is just from personal experience that you pray out loud. Not not you don't have to you don't have to be ever you don't have to be screaming at the top of your lungs. Just pray audible enough so you can hear it. That'll help your mind stay focused. Because I've been there where I thought I prayed all night long and really I just fell asleep. <laughs> That's what happened. Pray audible, where you can hear it. And by the way, parents, I think this is important. And, and New Guinea was a little bit better for me for this with the kids because the, the, every, everything was ministry for all of us. But parents, and you don't pray for this reason, but I do think it's important. Boy, let your kids see you pray. Let them see it. Listen, uh, and, it's not, uh, and that's not for pride. That's for their spiritual well-being. There's nothing wrong when your kids are home and you're praying, and let's say it's at, at a couch or by your bed, leave that door open. Let them walk by and see you praying. Let them see it. Because there's going to be times you face things in life where it's going to be this kind is needed. Be genuine with your prayer life before the Lord. This is how you actually begin to have God strengthen you. And he desires to. Don't make it about you and make it real. All right? You, you, will, have, you will not have God's strength if it's just about checking your box or it's about you. Listen, God's not going to honor that because the only thing that will do if he did is hurt you. That's all it would do. Thirdly now, go on to the third thing. This one we can see from many different people in the Bible, but I'm going to use two. One I talked about last week, so that'll be a, a, a proper for this. And second will be Joshua, so David and Joshua. David and Joshua are great examples of this. When we're facing things, oh, I, use this, I use this thought, I use it this week probably four times. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. You have to learn the battle is the Lord's. David, I could take at the time. Remember, when we preached the life of David, that was such, I enjoyed that so much. It was a help to me. Remember what I said when we started off with his life. Goliath was never the giant in David's life. 
He wasn't. That wasn't gave David a hard time at all. That wasn't it. But there were different giants in his life that he struggled with. And David learned, when you see him successful, it's when he learned the battle was the Lord's. Again, the last time we see that with David, right before he becomes king. Remember what he did right before? He quit. Do you remember that? He quit. At a time that's just stunning. He doesn't know it's just weeks away. He is weary. He is tired. He's been running from Saul. It's going on and on. He doesn't know. It's right around the corner. Saul's about to be killed in a battle. David doesn't know it. He had a chance once again to take Saul's life, and David did what was right. For David, again, one example, he'd never made it about him. He spared Saul's life, and Saul, this time, being genuine, Saul told David, listen, I know God's hands upon you, basically. I know it. You are going to be king. I'm the one who's been wrong. And Saul left him and would never go after him again. David, though, in the next verse, the next chapter starts, David quits. Know where he goes? He goes to live with the Philistines. Know what turned him around, though? Hmm. Amazing. Think what turned him around. It was getting back to the fact of, of learning of how much he needed God. The battle was the Lord's. So he's out there. He even gets into, he's not right with God. He gets into deception. He, he has to make it look like he's attacking Israel. He's not. He actually is attacking Israel's enemies and, and lying about it just so he can, he can look pleasing before one of the kings that had given him the land that he knew. But then he's out one day, and this goes into the next chapter. Him and his men are coming back from a, a small skirmish, a small battle. And as they get close, they look in the distance and the city where they have, where their wives are, where their children are, is burning. It's burning. They know why we were gone, we were attacked. They take off running. I mean, could you just see, could you, could you imagine what that had to feel like in those men's lives at that moment? These vile, wicked enemies that were all around them, they now know attacked where their wives and their children are living. They take off sprinting. They get there. The city is destroyed. Their wives and children are gone. The Bible says they wept till they had no more tears. No more tears. The men that were with David turned on him. They blamed him. They wanted to kill him. David is now at the lowest point of his life and he needs strength. But then we have one of the greatest verses in, 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 there in 1 Samuel. It said, but David encouraged himself, he drew strength in the Lord. He was getting back to what he forgot about back in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when he fought Goliath. Wait, the battle is the Lord's. And by the way, they recovered their wives and children. If you go on, he goes to the Lord. The Lord responds to David, and, and, and they recover their families. David becomes king shortly after that. You have to learn the battle is the Lord's. Number four, under accessing the strength of God. Look at Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. 
I am now questioning the reference I wrote down here. I think this is it. It might take me a second to find it. Yes, this is the verse. Okay, good. Daniel 11, verse 32. So, what we see from Scripture in accessing God's strength deals with, number one, we've got to wait on the Lord. Don't quit. Pray. Know the battle is God's. No, it is His. It's the Lord's. And then this one. And, and I hope this one really just drives it home. It says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be, what's that next word? Strong and do exploits. The people that do know their God. There is great strength in knowledge of God. There is. There's great strength. Let me try and give some examples of how this strengthens you. You can find yourself facing an incredible tragedy. I think of Daniel and Sharon. Both have experienced it. Others in here have experienced great, great tragedy. The strength you need during those times is, again, beyond measure, beyond your capability in those moments. And, and, and I'll use, because I was there for it, when Daniel's first wife had died, Enoch in the hospital, and... Um, he had spoke at the funeral. I can't remember, is that before or after I preached? Was it before? Before. And I just remember watching him thinking, look at the strength that's being given right now. See, well, how does that have to do with knowing God? Knowledge of God helps. You know, what, know what's so important in those tragedies? Let me give you just one example. God's sovereignty. As you learn of God and you know God, you know He's good, and you know He's in control, to be able to trust in that in those moments. God, I know you're in control. I don't understand. I can't even agree at this moment. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. If, if you lack a certain... Not, there are so many people that struggle with God and blame God and turn on Him. Much of that goes back to a lack of knowledge of who God is. Because if you don't have that knowledge, do you understand you can't act on it? You can't act on it. Go try and take an Algebra 2 test without any knowledge of that thing. You'll just spell out M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. That's it. Learning of God. You know, we come in here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. To sit before you and feed you. To help you learn of God. You know, when I, when I, when I pray for you, it's all, because I don't know what you're going to face this week. That's why I, I, I do. I think it's important that you understand the Lord set up the local church 
for a reason. Determined to be faithful. Listen, if you will come, just and, and those who are faithful to all this, you'll know it. There's, there's not less in a Sunday night service or a Wednesday service there is in a Sunday morning service. You'll get fed. And you don't know what you're going to face this week. You have to be able to learn of God, have a truth. And then it gets me excited. It was even last week. Oh, it was Richard or who it was. It might have been somebody else that had come to me and said, you know, with what was going on, that's exactly what I needed. And whoever that was, Richard, I remember I looked at him and said, you have no idea how bad I need to hear that right now. (laughs) Knowing God, they shall be strong. Because, again, our faith isn't blind. It isn't without reason. The Lord gives us a lot to put faith in. Learn of him. Know God. Let me finish with this. This is a whole other point, but I'm going to cover this entire point, which will take about 20 minutes and about two minutes. So bear with me. The bulk of what needed to be said has already been said. But I think this is important. I don't want to leave this out. I just don't want to close it right here. So I want to leave you with this. The fourth thing I have here and how we finish strong. All right? And we've got to have that purpose. We've got to stay focused on the eternal. We need God's strength if we're going to finish. And then lastly, something that's related to strength but different. And that is the word endurance. Endurance. You have to have a measure of endurance about your life if you're not going to quit. The Bible tells us in Scripture, not returning, we need to endure persecutions, tribulation, hardness, temptations, on and on. These are things we have to endure. By the way, some Christians get out of the will of God because all they do is endure and they don't persevere. I remember I heard that preached years ago and I thought, man, that is really good because I saw it. I could, people even came to mind who, who they were enduring but they weren't persevering. And the illustration given at the time was a football one. It was... He used an idea of the running back has given the ball and his goal is the touchdown. That's where he's going to persevere. Now, along the way, he has to endure a lot. A couple of linebackers, a safety, a cornerback, everybody else that he has to endure. His goal is the touchdown, not the endurance. In other words, the goal of the running back isn't to drive the safety into the ground. It's to get by him. That's it. Get by him and get to the end zone. Stay on target. Don't let the devil throw you off on the, what it is you're enduring, and that becomes your life. Stay on target. Life is about glorifying God. Don't let anything change that. That's what it's about. But nonetheless, we have to endure hardness, persecution, tribulation. And the devil will use these things to get you to quit. So what this, what this point dealt, dealt with was this. And you can, you can dive into this on your own this week. It won't take much. I can give you the principle of it briefly, and it will help you. One of the keys to endurance, when I put this together, was simply this. What does the Bible give us that does endure? And there were several things. One was his, his word that endureth forever. Know his word. Get in the Bible. Stay true to it. First Peter one twenty five. 
again, you get wisdom and knowledge for what you need. That will help you to endure. That goes back to the knowledge of God, what I've already given. Number two, what the Bible says endures is God's love. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. There's times you're going to be offended by others. There's times uh, um, you're going to need God's help to love others to be able to endure. All those things are going to take place in your life. God's love endures. Use it. Use it. And lastly, Psalms gets into this as well as other books, but Psalm 106.1, you can write that down for one of the references. God's mercy endureth forever. There are times that we all have to remember God's mercy endureth forever. We mess up. We fail. You need to remember God's mercy endureth forever. You get back up, dust yourself off, leave it to the side, and get back on track. Ask Mark. Ask Mark. You also need to remember in your own life for when you need to show mercy and grace to others. Don't be like that one man who was forgiven more than a lifetime worth of wages. Just like that in the parable that Christ gave us. A lifetime. He was in debt more than what that man could have earned in his lifetime. It was all forgiven him. He gets out of debtor's prison and goes to a guy that owed him about three months worth of salary. And, and is nothing but cruel and mean. God's word endures, God's love endures, and God's mercy endures. Use them. Use them in your life. They'll help you. With heads bowed and eyes closed.